The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. You know how Finn never gets to tell Ray that one thing he wants to tell her? Or how Han Solo can give Leia a sarcastic quip but never really open up to her? Well, you don't have to be Rebel Scum or the captain of the Millennium Falcon to experience the kind of rich relationships and life that we all long for. I'm Mark Went, and I'm a men's wisdom coach. After people work with me, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com, M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T, coaching.com. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is a stream freedom audio bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. And it is the only free voice left in the geek revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is your dashing duo, Derek and myself, Mike. And uh, hey, Derek, we're being joined by uh, a couple people from the independent film Don't Look Back. We have director Jeffrey Riddick, and it's okay. He did not shoot first because he's related as a second cousin as Han Soto. <laughs> That's yeah. Thanks. Stuck <laughs> that in there. I was like, you shot first. I did shoot first. You shot first. I got hit. I, I did shoot first, but it's okay. I have a really bad feeling about this. Maybe not. So, how's everyone doing? Great. Yeah, doing great. Um, yeah, just you know, it's exciting to have the movie out. Uh, I ser- certainly wish it was, um, you know, the world was in a better place. You know, it's definitely there's a lot of people stressing out and, you know, going through a lot right now, which is which is not good. But, um, you know, hopefully at least around Halloween, we can get a few days, to, a little bit of time to take our minds off of things and just yep. geek out on horror stuff. And well, as, fun. as Han and I were comparing nose before show, essential oils can be your friend. So. <laughs> We actually have a "Don't Look Back" essential oil. Really, it's on, on iTunes and Amazon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is it? Is it six ninety nine now? What is it, Jeff? Uh, I think it's six ninety nine. Yeah, you don't rub it on you, but you just like let it go into your eyes. Yeah, yeah. Just press play. You know, <laughs> it smells like popcorn. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so tell us a little bit about the film. Yeah, it's, it's a mystery thriller. Uh, it's about a group of people who see somebody getting fatally assaulted in a park and for various reasons, don't help the person. And one of the people even videotapes it and the video goes online. Uh, the person dies and something or someone starts coming after the witnesses. So you're not sure if it's a supernatural threat. You don't know if it's a real killer or it might be our lead character, Caitlin. Um, it might be in her head, too. She starts seeing weird things happening around her that lead her to believe it's supernatural. So she sets out to try to solve his murder to stop the other witnesses from dying. Um, so it's kind of a what's what's doing it as opposed to who's doing it. 
Okay. And, uh, it's a fun movie. You know, Han, Han is um, plays a tough guy. Has some reasons for um, t- named Tony Cusimano. He plays. He's got some reasons for not helping, but you're not sure if if those are the real reasons or if he's just wimped out. <laughs> <laughs> I had a tracksuit on, man. Yeah, I know. I was, tracksuit is tough. <laughs> you, 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 you can't you can't risk sure. going over and putting rips in that tracksuit. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, it's that uh, don't hold me back, but really hold me back because I really don't want to fight. You know. Back, back in high school. <laughs> Don't hold me back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's a that was, we had a lot of fun just, you know, playing with with the idea, you know, getting into why the people didn't help and and like Han just said, you know, there's there's levels to why di- different people didn't get involved and so you know, I didn't want to make anybody a straight up you know, evil person, but you know, kind of in this day where we only get video clips of stuff happening and people kind of make snap judgments in the movie, people just see that video of them, somebody recording the fight and just assume that these are all horrible people. So the whole city like turns on them. Um, right. Well, I, I've found it interesting how, uh, Caitlin mm. has, has a, a very good reason why she doesn't jump in. Yes. Because it is a, it's a, it's a PTSD moment for her. And when she, yes. conf- and when she confronts the brother about it, uh, I'm trying not to spoil too much because I don't. Oh. I don't think this is something that's. It's, it's not a spoiler what you're saying. Um, when she confronts, it's like I still hate you, but it's okay. This is acceptable. And yeah. I'm like, okay. Well, dude, you're still an ass. But um, <laughs> well, I, and that's what I had to play with her because you know, especially in a, in a in a movie, I read a great quote once where they say, you know, audience members always. We always think that we would do that. We're better people than the people on screen, so we always think we'd jump in and do something. So for Caitlin, I really had to give her a reason that the audience could really latch on to, so that they would follow her at least through the story. Right. So I wanted to make sure that you know she was the least right. guilty. And you think that people think that, but you never know until you're actually in that situation what what you'll do. Have you been in one recently? Uh, uh, what would you do situation? Yeah, no, I what? mean, I, I experienced something a month ago, um, very similar to my character, actually, except, <laughs> I mean, shamefully, I didn't jump in just because there were multiple people there, and I just envisioned myself getting stabbed by, you know. Right. And you, it's, sometimes it's just easier to detach yourself. So, yeah, like you said, Derek, it's, it's, you know, you, it's easier to say, hey, yeah, I would have I would have done something, but you know, it when you're there and your your chemistry starts boiling up and the the the, the mm-hmm. adrenaline starts kicking in, it's really hard to say what you're going to do. You See, know? I I didn't have a what would you do moment like in the movie, but uh, being at Disney Springs, the uh, shopping district at Walt Disney World, yeah, um, I was taking a photo for a family on the wife's cell phone. And all of a sudden, this guy just comes out of nowhere and grabs the phone out of my hands. Wow. And I, and I had that split second of holding the phone like, the, you know, I got my hands still in place from where the phone came. I'm like, did that just happen? And I saw the and I just turned facing the guy, the direction he was going. So there was like that moment of trying to realize, did it happen? And then I'm not a I'm not a skinny guy at the moment. Not like I used to be when I was younger but i started running after the guy and it, we were supposed to have rain that day so i had an umbrella with me and i'm and it's one of these long golf umbrellas and i was i was getting ready to throw it at his legs because i knew if i got it in between his legs as soon as it got close it was going to spin and trip him up and he stopped going, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. I'm their, bro- I'm their brother-in-law. I'm like, you came so close to oh, getting tripped God. and sat on. Oh, man. <laughs> but you chased him. You chased but him. I chased him. Good for you. So. Yeah, I had one of those moments. I had one of those moments. It was, this was back, back in my drinking days, which obviously you have a little bit more courage, I think, then. But so, I last was, um, so last week? Uh, <laughs> today, more, actually. Okay. Today. More courage, I'm, less sense. Right now. I'm <laughs> off my ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But no, I saw this guy like you know, he was yelling at his girlfriend and he slapped her and he had friends around and it just it pissed me off. And so I went up to, to him and I said, you know, something like, you know, you're a really tough man, you know, knocking your girlfriend around. And he's like, what? He got in my face. He's like, what'd you say to me? So I thought he was, you know, I was prepared for him to like swing a punch at me because I'm like, all right, this guy's going to hit me, but I'm still going to say it again. And so I said it again. Instead of hitting me, he kicked me in the nuts. Ah. Which, like, of course, I'm not expecting that. So then his friends pulled him yeah. back. And I'm, I'm not feeling the pain much because I'm drunk, but, um, you know, I walked off and I'm like, you know, you could do better to his girlfriend. And then I, as I got a block away, then my nuts started hurting really bad. And I was like, yeah. You were feeling real good afterwards. You were feeling real good afterwards. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, and then when the- I, had, I had a phone situation, you know, like yours, Mike, in New Orleans, but I was, <laughs> I was roller skating. I was, uh, yeah, and these kids came around and jacked this lady's, you know, phone because she was taking a picture, and I started rollerblading after them and i realized that i'm not going to be able to catch them once they hit the stairs so i just kind of slow down before i fall and uh it's it was it was weird it was just a weird situation you know i i I think the thing that kind of i i laughed on the way back but i think the thing that kind of ticked me off with it too is the the father in the group sitting there laughing and didn't even bother to come help me chase the guys down i'm like man you are so lucky this guy was related to you as if not afterwards i would have been all up in your face gone really you couldn't help rescue your own wife's phone see i would have i would have i would have been like oh that was an iphone 4 she's due for an upgrade <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she's she's good. She's got insurance on it. I'm sure she's got it covered. No, it it was an eleven. Umbrella. <laughs> it it was an eleven and I have an eight and I'm like, I'm not giving up my phone. Sorry. Oh, recent. Oh, <laughs> yeah, this this was uh about a month ago. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well good for you for chasing him, man. Well the and, think, and thinking of javelining the, the umbrella in between yeah. his legs. Causing him to trip. That's great. The uh, the other what would you do moment. We were when my wife was pregnant with our daughter. We went to go see uh, GI Joe. As a matter of fact, and and this family behind us kept the mom. This family kept kicking my wife's seat, and she would turn around a couple times throughout the film. Would you please stop? Would you please stop? You're kicking my seat. Please stop. And at one point, when she's had enough, and of course she's pregnant, don't mess with a pregnant woman. She turns around. She turns around. How many times do I have to ask you to please stop kicking my chair? And the husband turns around. Then chimes in. Turn around. Turn around. Mistake one. Wow. Yeah. He spoke to in a harsh manner to my pregnant wife. I turned around. He looked at me. And goes, turn around, turn around. Don't make me do something. I said, your two kids right here is what's keeping wow. me from embarrassing your ass. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I was ready to go. I was ready to go. Well, needless to say, the ending for G.I. Joe was n- not that pleasant for me at the time because I was all amped up, ready to rock and roll. Which later, after watching the movie, going, eh, you know, this ending kind of sucked anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, to be fair, it wasn't that pleasant for any of us. But. So, the, so the lights come on, and my wife goes, we're just going to sit right here until they leave. Leave the theater, and we'll be fine. Well, come find out when the lights came on, this guy was muscle jacked. <laughs> of course he is. So he's walking down the stairs, and he's throwing looks. And I looked at him, and, I went, and then his wife looked at me. And I looked at her and went, kind of nodded his direction and held up my fingers like, he's small, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how, how did you know he wasn't starting to sing like a Bonnie Tyler song? Like, you know, he's totally, totally close to the heart. Like, maybe he was just kind of. It, 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 it was too gruff of a voice. <laughs> and there, it was too there, there was, well, yeah, way too well, aggressive. Not everybody can sing. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Nah, it, it was too aggressive to turn around. <laughs> I thought about saying bright eyes, but. Yeah. I'd say rude. And now I got that song stuck in my head. Thank you very much, Gavin. <laughs> now and then I get a little bit more. 
<laughs> then there's the Dan Ban version, <laughs> yeah. which is awesome. I don't think I've heard that one. I haven't heard that uh, one either. Ah, uh, you have to look it up. I got some homework. Got some homework. So, um, how did the idea for the film come about? You know what? I've there's been there was a story of Kitty Genovese, a woman in in New York back in I think it was the '60s, um, who, as we were taught growing up, she was assaulted in her apartment in the courtyard of her apartment complex, and all these witnesses saw and heard it, and nobody helped. Um, so that story always stuck with me. It just always haunted me for some reason. And as I've gotten older, I have just seen how we've gotten as a society where people, they see something bad happening and they pull out their cell phone. And instead of calling the police and then recording it, they record first and then don't call the police. Um, and so I was that story, because, again, has haunted me. And then I thought this would be a good way to kind of delve into that phenomenon of how we're all kind of put in those situations. I mean, I even saw, you know, I used to watch that What Would You Do show all the time, which Jeremy Holm, who's in our movie, did a lot of work in that. Um, and it's it's just interesting to see how people react in certain situations and that group think and that fear of of stepping in or sometimes helping people. But then you get surprised by the people that do step up. Um, so I just thought that was a fascinating kind of universal world to set a set a horror film in, um, or, or if, and you know, ironically, when we were going flying down to Baton Rouge to uh, location scout, there was a documentary on the plane about Kitty Genovese, and it kind of debunked that whole myth that we'd been told. It turned out that actually people had helped her, but this reporter went down there uh, and interviewed people, and he realized if he put that spin on it, that it would sell papers, and it became like a legend, urban legend in the country. Um, so it was interesting to find out that people actually had helped her. I've heard that story before. Yeah, both the, the story and the debunking of it as well. See, yeah. I, I've never heard the story, so now I've got homework. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's really sad homework when you read it. It's a really ho- horrific story. You know? Yeah, I think I actually heard it on another podcast that I won't mention. Okay, well, you're afraid to give another podcast a plug. All right. Like Keepers right, of the fine. Fringe or, or Wookiee Radio? No, the podcast I heard it on is a non-related podcast to ours. Uh, it's a true crime podcast? No. Okay. I don't know. He's getting sponsorship from them. <laughs> yeah. It's a conflict. Of it's, it. just a pod- <laughs> it's just a podcast about knowing stuff, you know. Uh, yeah, totally opposite of us. Yeah. <laughs> 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 It's going to be one of those shows. It's just a podcast of cool guys. We don't know real stuff. (laughs) We know plenty of geek stuff, though. Hey, we got Han full. He he said we were cool guys. (laughs) (laughs) With essential. Well, he doesn't fully know us yet, so. It's true. If he shot first, he would know us more. I should have brought my shield. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Han, how did you get involved with the film? Um, You know, I I auditioned for um, for the role. Uh, Actually, I I auditioned for Jeremy's character, the detective. And um, I I think I thought I was going to get it. And then Jeremy and you guys put the offer out to Jeremy. And and then they gave me um, another opportunity to read for uh, Tony. Um, And it was just it was a shorter. I think the scene was shorter. The one you guys sent me. Yeah. was like half a page or one page versus a seven, eight page. Oh, by the way, when I watched Jeremy perform, I was like, okay, I see exactly why he got this one. Instead. <laughs> and I was very happy about it. But, but then I, I saw it and I said, ah, I don't want I don't want this small role. I don't want the small role. But it turns out Tony was actually one of the main characters, main six characters in the movie. And, yeah. and, uh, and that, that kind of put me in a position to really um, get to know, you know, Jeffrey and Andrew Van Inhouten, the producer. Um, we, we got to talking on set and I just like their vibe, man. They, they just have really positive energy and, and um, you know, not a lot of people know that Jeffrey's like one of the sweetest guys I've ever met. Sweetest director. Like you would do anything for him on set, which I will get to that later. I'm a tyrant. Oh, yes. But, <laughs> yeah. but, yes, yeah. exactly what you're going to, the story you're going to tell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, like George Lucas, faster, more intense. <laughs> I'll just get to the story right now. Yeah, the story is... We're, we're, I think we're halfway into shooting. 10.30 at night, I get a call from Jeffrey. I said, what's he, do- what's he calling me for? Pick up the phone. He goes, hey, and he's very hesitant about it. He's very like, you know, hey, um... 
I got a question for you. Um, so I'm sitting here rewriting the one of the scenes, and um, I wanted to change, you know, the way you die. And I said, okay. And he said, how do you feel about, like, rats? And <laughs> I'm lusophobic, man. Like, I hate rodents. It was fur, and it's just terrifying. And I said, what, what, do you, what do you mean? How do I feel about rats? It was, well, I had this vision of, like, this rat, like, just, like, eating you while you're on the ground or something. You know, I said, oh. I paused for a second. I said, well, will it make the movie good? And he said, yeah, absolutely. I said, all right, I'll do it. And he goes, okay, so um, it's going to be six rats. <laughs> Dude, it's <laughs> nibbling in my ear. Uh-huh. They, they put peanut butter and... Oh, they, they put sanitizer around my eyes so that the rat wouldn't go there. Oh. But these were sanitizer-loving rats. Oh, no. They were just nibbling on my skin. See, you had to lay there. You didn't think but, about having them make a ballistic mold? No time. Jeffrey had a dream that, that night before. <laughs> it was the next day. But but he was such a trooper, and he left out the best – I mean, the worst best part. Um <laughs> One of the rats literally, his eyes were open. A rat literally climbed on his open eye, Ooh. and 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 he, you know, obviously brushed it off. But we have it. We have enough footage of it of the rat climbing onto his eye that we like. We got to add this shot in there. <laughs> like, let the rat climb. He didn't let it. It just kind of ignored the hand sanitizer and went right in his eye. Um, so yeah, it was a real trooper. There were more than six, by the way, they, they put like six near my head, but there were like four more down here nibbling on my pinky. Yeah. They brought more rats. Then. Yeah. And I had to lay there still not breathing. So, so how many volume so did you want to take? I have one question for you. <laughs> they, they say that the best way to get over a fear is, uh, through exposure. So uh, did that help you with your rat fear? Or did it just make it worse? (laughs) Hell no. (laughs) That's what I thought. I had a prairie dog in my backyard. Rodents. It's not just rats. It's rodent-like animals. And I had to chase this prairie dog because I knew it was lost in like in from the field. And we cornered it and he was running down the fence line. And he started running. There was only one path and it was to me. Scared the hell out of me. Gave me PTSD. See, he, he's he has a rodent in his house now, and it's not helping. That rodent's been with him for seven years. Oh wait, sorry, that's your kid. Yeah, that's my that's my daughter. Yeah, I'm, I'm the I'm the same way. I, I joke with my daughter about that all the time as well. Like, who who wants to be a DJ for for Halloween? Um, and we went we went shopping for a Halloween costume, and then they said, Dad, what do you want to be? I ended up being Ted from Bill and Keanu Reeves. I'm going as Keanu Reeves because I found a nice Van Halen shirt, the best (laughs) wig. Excellent. Awesome. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Just remember, be kind to each other. (laughs) I got to find a happy, uh, one of those happy stickers put on your leg. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of dressed like him already, so I'm halfway there. Actually, yeah. So I actually downloaded a bunch of Bill and Ted sound drops when the movie came out. <laughs> I, need, I need to get those from you. I, I'm working on some new sound drops as well that I'll share with you, Derek. Um, the so the whole so where did the idea come for what we experienced in the beginning with Caitlin? Then lead into what we what carries the rest of the film rest of the film you know that that a version of that scene was always in there um in the script it was originally a car accident uh and we got down to baton rouge and just realized that you know because we have so many had so many location moves um and so much to do that that pulling off like a car crash that would also do the scene justice because the end of the scene happened in a car uh, we realized that we just had to change it and we changed it to like a home invasion. Um, so that happened pretty, that happened. We did a lot of, some of that stuff happened a lot on set where we have to just make adjustments. Uh, so I had to kind of rewrite that scene like pretty, <laughs> pretty fast, um, and set up a whole thing, you know, at the house for the home invasion scene. So that was, a, that was, that was tricky because we, you know, we had stunts involved in special effects and it was our first week of shooting Um, we shot all the stuff in the house in the first week so I could kind of get time with Courtney Bell, our lead, uh, 
to help her kind of settle into character and, you know, open up with her and the father and then her and the, and the boyfriend. So everybody had kind of time to build some, some chemistry there. But, um, yeah, that was more of a necessity kind of, I always wanted there to, again, going back to have it, I, I needed Caitlin to have some kind of trauma that she was getting over that this event, no matter how horrible it was, you know, with the park attack and all that she goes through in the film still allowed her to get closure on the guilt that she carried, you know, from the, from the opening tragic tragedy that she experiences. So, um, that the essence of that scene has always been there. But once we got to Baton Rouge, I, I had to change it up from a car crash to a home event, which I think is more relatable anyway. I think, you know, we have, there are too many car, I just, you know, and movies have a lot of car crashes. Um, so I, I thought the home invasion would be more intimate as well. And scarier too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Especially if you're going to do the, the park attack as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that would be more, that'd be, that's, that came across as more realistic for Caitlin to go back into her PTSD moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It worked out. It worked out, um, for the best, I think. So why Baton Rouge? You know, uh, our producer, Andrew Van Den Houten, has shot a lot of films down there. So he had some really good relationships. And I went down there prior to shooting it. This time we actually had it, had it set up at a, another production company before we decided to do it independently. And so I'd gone down to B- Baton Rouge, met with the film commissioner, met with the community. Everybody was just so wonderfully like welcoming um, and wanting to help, which you're not used to if you work in L.A. I mean, people want to help in L.A., but their the first question is like, well, let's see your checkbook. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we got. There's a, there's a magic. There's a magic we have in Louisiana. I'm from. I'm from Louisiana. I actually started uh, my my acting career there, and um, the community is just super tight knit, and like we welcome everyone. So, where in Louisiana? New Orleans. I moved in '89. My wife was already living there. Uh, I met her in 92. We got married in 96 and moved down here. But, uh, Shreveport, Bossier. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's where my agent is, actually. In Shreveport. Yeah, yeah. They're they're like the William Morris of the Southeast. And they, they, they built a really good uh, reputation for themselves. Landrum Arts. Okay. Name's yeah. familiar. Yeah. Uh, right off of Texas Street, right by the casino. Yeah. Is that near the casino? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Probably over there by the bridge. Yeah, so you were there before Millennium Studios uh, opened yes. up. Yes, I was there when the casinos came in. <laughs> wow. wow. I, I remember when it was a big to-do to flood the river to height for them mm-hmm. to bring the boats in, yep. get them in the dock, and then lower the river again. Wow, yep. man. Louisiana is just wonderful. Um, I mean, once you, once you go, you always try to find a reason to go back, and there's no other better reason to do it than to film and do what you love, you know? Uh, the food's okay, too. The food's kind of okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm from Kentucky, so it had a very similar vibe as far as how people were and laid back and everything. So, yeah, I really I really loved going down there and shooting. So, Where in Kentucky? Uh, uh, Eastern Kentucky. Uh, Jackson is the city. Okay. It's near Hazard. Yeah. I was born in Western Kentucky, small, oh, what? small little town called Mayfield. Oh, yeah. I, I've heard of Mayfield. That's, that's so funny. And then I, I lived there for two years and moved to an even smaller town called, no joke, Wingo, W-I-N-G-O. Oh, I haven't heard of that one, actually. <laughs> so. Is that in Kentucky, Wingo? Wingo, Graves County. Wingo, Kentucky, Graves County. Oh, that's you know, awesome. Kentucky's very nice, too. I I, I, uh, I made the mistake of pronouncing Louis, Louisville. No, Louisville. Yeah. Like, hey, you got to put some marbles in your mouth and say Louisville. It's Louisville. <laughs> Well, it's, it's like saying New Orleans. New, yeah, hi, I'm yeah. in New Orleans. And, I, and I'm no. ha, having lived in Louisiana. I mean, just being in Louisiana, for, home for the holidays when I went off to college. Because I graduated high school in my family. And while second half of my senior year of high school, my dad got a job in Shreveport uh, at a place called Frymaster. Mm. And uh, so he's down there once I graduated. I stayed in upstate New York where we were living until I went off to college. And I didn't see Louisiana until I came home for the holidays. But that two weeks, I very quickly learned um, not by people going, no, it's this way. No, it's this way. It's just by hearing it enough. It's it's not New Orleans, which is still the way I just said it is more accepted. But it's either New Orleans or New Orleans. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> One or the other is the acceptable way of saying it. But to say you missed the gumbo, do you miss the gumbo and the? Um, I miss the etouffee. I miss the yeah. jambalaya. I'm not a big gumbo guy because I hate okra. <laughs> but if it's a gumbo, if it's a gumbo without okra, I'm all right. Yeah, I got a great. I'll send it to you. I got a great uh, instant pot recipe for a gumbo. Ooh, yeah. We have, we have an instant pot, but we're making red beans and rice on Tuesday. There you go. Actually, oh, I'm hungry. I'm hungry now. <laughs> well, we we do for um, like New Year's Eve, Fourth of July parties. We make a crawfish nachos. Oh man! And we got I... and we got the idea from Pat O'Brien's because were that's, you drunk? No. Well, we went to the Pat O'Brien's here at Universal Studios, but we've oh, been to we've been to the original in, in New Orleans, and um, but we never got the crawfish nachos there. Basically, what it is is crawfish etouffee with shredded cheese melted in to make it more like a cheese dip, served over tortilla chips. Once you eat it, you should, you don't look back. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's one of my favorite dishes. <laughs> don't look back. <laughs> so. Oh man, I'm hungry. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Anytime I'm here for you. My stomach just growled. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> then, then I'll mention when we went to New Orleans for our honeymoon, we ate at Planet Hollywood and got the crawfish lasagna. Oh man, oh, I gotta send you this recipe. <laughs> it, it'll, it'll take you back to Louisiana. Oh yeah, it's good. It's a quick one-hour recipe too. It's awesome. Okay, let me pause real quick. We're gonna take a. About a 40 minute or 40 second break, uh, and we'll be right back after this message. Have you ever wanted to deeply connect with someone the way Vision does with Scarlet Witch? Or be the stand up guy like Cyclops is for Jean Grey? Well, you don't have to be fused to an infinity stone or be the leader of a superhero team to have the kind of relationships in life we all long for. Mark Went is a men's wisdom coach. And after people work with him, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com. That's M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T coaching.com. And we're back. Since I got asked, since you filmed Jeffrey in, in Baton Rouge and since Han, you're from Louisiana yourself. Crystals, Louisiana hot sauce, or Tabasco? Okay, I got to be honest. So the the one trait that I didn't get from growing up in Kentucky is I don't like spicy food. My mom would put Tabasco <laughs> sauce on everything that she ate. And she would fry stuff, and, t- and she would reach in the skillet. She's like, you know, Kentucky strong woman. She would just reach into the skillet. Something was sizzling. She'd just pick it up and eat it. But she uh, she put t- she loved Tabasco <laughs> sauce, and so I just grew up not liking spicy stuff so i i like mild sauce well that, I'm, that was, I'm with you on that one that that was jeffrey and derek for the night uh so hot, it's just you and i i don't trust them anymore and i think i feel like i feel like people that have to use hot sauce don't have actual taste but i agree thank you derek i agree <laughs> again I, I don't trust you guys anymore, man. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to go back to this one. I, 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 I'm here for you, Han. So, Crystal. I'm torn, I'm torn because I, I like Tabasco because I have – it's kind of a nostalgic, you know, taking a field trip when I was in elementary school to Avery Island. But also my brother has a restaurant there called in New Orleans called Bayou Hot Wings, and their sauce is, is Crystal. We use Crystal um, hot sauce. So I, I, like, I like both. Well, uh, Chihuahua? No. Uh, no. Uh, I'll be right back. All right, I'll let you ask a question to fill in while I, I get show piece. <laughs> He's All gonna, right. So that's enough talk of us. hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I'm from Massachusetts. So up here, we have a different type of like seafood and everything that we love. Mostly it's fried up here. <laughs> yeah. Same in Kentucky. I'm excited to eat some lobster up in that region. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if you're going to come up here in the fall, uh, you're going to love it. It's just yeah. amazing up here. Yeah. So, so what do you think, like October, September, October? Uh, yeah, I would say end of September, beginning of October would be a good time. Oh, for um, lobster season? Depending on where, no, oh. summertime is lobster season. Yeah. We're talking about the fall foliage and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, 
then if you go up to like that's a good time to like go up into the the white mountains in new hampshire and stuff see a lot of great stuff up there so i will say i'm a tabasco guy oh nice <laughs> yeah between the garlic the regular the raspberry chipotle chipotle <laughs> the sweet and spicy which is an asian dipping sauce and the habanero and then i also have buffalo and uh what's the other one just for visual, Mike is holding up a, uh, <laughs> a, a six-bottle six caddy. <laughs> Six-pack of Tabasco sauce. <laughs> I didn't know they made that many Tabasco sauces, yeah. so I just grew Me up either. They, wow. also, they also make a sriracha now, which I don't want the sriracha because it doesn't have the traditional Tabasco bottle. Um, but they also have one that is only sold at the island and on their gift shop and it's the uh it's called reserve and it's what the family uses and what they use if you do a special event uh on property nice nice it's like a silver label i gotta make a trip back out there as an adult i I think the last time i was there was like seventh grade which is um last week yeah it was yesterday (laughs) I just graduated. We're um, such young filmmakers. Yeah, wow. yeah. I'm, I'm a Doogie Nice <laughs> type. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I'm not, I'm really hungry. Thanks, Mike. Anytime. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> you want some raspberry chipotle? I think I think uh, Derek and Jeffrey should should try or drink some while we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some spray. You want to see me die right on the spot? <laughs> <laughs> It's the least you can do for me for making me get nibbled on by rats. Yeah, no, I still owe you for the rats. Yeah, you, you're gonna get to you get to play that card for a long time, my friend. <laughs> oh man, I'm jealous. I, I've never I've never been so jealous watching a guy lick his finger. Again, yeah. because you have no taste buds, so you can't actually taste food. So you got to have hot. I'm sorry. What no, you no, no, no. I think, hey, I think he's on mute. Maybe <laughs> I can't hear anything he's saying. <laughs> I hear you, Derek. Actually, I got, I got you back on this, brother. I'm not. I'm not one who. I had a guy when I first started at Walt Disney World. Uh, I think it was like the second or third day was his first day back from his days off because he had been on vacation and then had his days off. It was like my third or fourth day at work. So I'm new. We sit down I'm like, oh, you like Tabasco sauce? Yeah, love it. And he's emptying half a bottle on his whatever Cracker. Uh, Italian what? pasta dish he had, oh, that right. microwave meal. I'm oh, like, oh, uh, you, no, you don't need that. He goes, oh, no, it's for flavor. I'm like, dude, you're beyond flavor. Trust me. <laughs> You may need to you may need to twelve step that one because uh, that's yeah. that's not just yeah really. <laughs> you know we had we had a lot of we had a lot of Cajun food. We had po' boys on set. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It was it was nice. It was very nice. And and we were actually nest. I forgot the name of the place, but it was on Third Street in downtown. Um, I should remember this. It's second floor, and they they just do really good food around there. Um, well, hey, you got you got a great little Cajun spot there in Boulder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got a couple. Uh, uh, the one I'm thinking of is on the on school- Pearl Street. Yeah, it's just off Pearl. Yeah, so as you're yeah. heading tr- as you're heading towards the university, mm-hmm. you make the right, and it's in the yeah. the old house. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a good place. Yeah, let me know when you come to, come back. Uh, I will oh, up, up and over. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess I guess see the Robin Williams house again because <laughs> last time I was there was the year that he passed away. So I made oh, that I made that a pilgrimage, but yeah. so I have a picture of me in front of the the house that they shot oh, for the exteriors. Yeah. Derek, you must like you like him, huh? Robin Williams, Good Will Hunting. Oh yeah, I Boss. love Robin Williams. I've loved Robin Williams since his Mork and Mindy days. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah. Was it E or Pop? Ah, uh-uh. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nano, nano. <laughs> um, we have gone so far in so many oh. directions. It's great. <laughs> or did we? Or did we? <laughs> hey, don't look back. Don't look back. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's the name of the film we're talking about that these guys, that Jeffrey directed and Han started. We should say it <laughs> say ten more times. Don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back. Don't look back. We're, we're subliminally planting that movie into your heads. 
so that when you're like, what do I want to watch tonight? You'll go go on iTunes or Amazon. They're like, don't look back is sticking in my head for some reason. And then Tabasco sauce. And, and what happens if you look back? <laughs> some don't. scary stuff goes down. Just don't look back. Just yeah. don't. <laughs> exactly. Just, Just don't. don't do it. Apparently, I have a really bad feeling about this. There's that too. Is there, is there a challenge? There's got to be a challenge we can do for online. There's so many crazy challenges. We've got to do a don't look back challenge. Hmm. Down a half a bottle of Tabasco and don't look back. Don't look back. You increase Tabasco sales and the movie. Yes. Mike, now you're thinking. Now, yeah. I'm going to have to give that one some thought. And your mind and your brain. Yeah. I'm afraid if we do that, we'll have a lot of what would you do scenarios. Yeah, really. We're beating each other up and um, see if people stop. Yeah, we don't want that happening. Yeah, forget, forget the challenge. Yeah, so that's what, what you need to do is recreate that scene and then put it out on YouTube as a spoof of the ABC show. What would you do and call it? Why didn't you do? <laughs> or, or why did you do? Oh, we should just get John Quinones in and like do just step in. No pause. No, Jeffrey, no, not a good idea. No, no, I'm, that, actually, I was thinking that, that would, no, the funny thing is it would, it would be hysterical, but you know what, it would get, everybody would get, like, upset about it, and then when they found out that it was a joke, then they'd be like, you guys are awful, we're canceling you, and then I'll be like, well, are you going to at least buy the movie before you cancel me? <laughs> yeah, be like, go on. Mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> So what got you guys interested in the entertainment industry or like Jeffrey, you directing Han, you acting? Um, you know what? I've always wanted to work in the, the business. I started off when I was young studying theater and wanted to be an actor. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the you know 80s, you know, in high school and stuff. And so my big dream at the time was to be like the first like biracial team beat centerfold. You know, which most people, I don't know if your audience even knows what Team Beat is anymore because I don't know when that went out of publication. But that was like the <laughs> Heartthrob magazine of the 80s. So I was like, I'm going to be a heartthrob one of these days. And um, I went to New York to study acting at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and I got an agent. But, um, you know, it's funny. People don't realize like when we talk about diversity and casting, like that's a pretty new phenomenon, like as in the last five years. Um, when I was starting out in the early 90s, my agent told me, you know, after like six or seven months, she's like, you know, you're you're like an ethnic Michael J. Fox type. And I'm like, well, that's awesome, because Back to the Future family, everybody loves Michael J. Fox. She's like, yeah, but nobody writes those kind of roles for people. I, you know, she's like, if you rapped or played basketball, I could get you work. But there's, you know, unless I get you a guest spot on The Cosby Show, there's just no shows to cast you in. So, you know, that kind of took the you know wind out of my sails for acting. But, you know, I loved writing and I was working at New Line Cinema as, as, a, as an intern. So I was like, well, I'm not going to – I still want to work in the business. I'm not going to give up my dream of working in the business. So I just kind of shifted gears to writing. And then over the years, that's kind of evolved into producing and um, you know directing because I really – at you know, some point you have to kind of – if you're making films, you're always waiting for other people to either say yes to a project, to, to green light it. You're waiting for investors to come in that stay in and don't pull out and – you know, it's always something. So right. with this film, you know, we finally, you know, decided to just do it independently and get it done. Um, and it was a great learning experience, you know, especially for our first film. It was, you know, trial by fire for sure. But we had, you know, a great team working with us and great crew and cast who, you know, Hans said it earlier, but it, but it's and I don't mean this in any kind of cocky way, but they because they knew that I they knew that I was passionate about this and I, I, th this is going to sound douchey, but, but I'm just a good person. You know what I'm saying? Like I am. And so I was fortunate to have like a cast and crew that were like so willing to go like above and beyond what I even expected them to do because they all, we were all in it for the right reasons. We just wanted to make this film um, and make it work. So mm. I learned so much and I'm just so appreciative of everybody that worked on this film because they just really put their heart and soul into it. Um, and I want to do it again, but I've, yeah, I've always just, I've, movies have always been an escape for me, um, from, you know, a, you know, daydreams and escaping kind of some of the harsh realities of life growing up. 
And um, so I've always just loved the f- entertainment industry. I've always wanted to work in it. And for the record, Team Beat so magazine. You, you could actually. Was, what? Go ahead. First issue was August of 1967, and final issue was in 2007. Okay. Yeah, I quit reading it after I was in college because that would have been creepy. <laughs> I'm 30 years old and I'm still subscribing to Teen Beat. Um, but you didn't oh, I wasn't supposed to though. do that then. <laughs> no, you picked them up. So you the- could actually you can actually create the types of roles that that they said you couldn't get then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought about That's that. That's pretty cool. It was interesting because I, you know, you know, Final Destination. I sold that was when I was in my mid twenties, and a lot of my films, you know, earlier films especially were about you know teenagers getting killed. Uh, originally, Final Destination was going to be all adults, but Scream came out before we finished the script, and all of a sudden teenagers were like the thing to kill again <laughs> in movies. Uh, yeah. So, so they're like, all right, you got to make them teenagers. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I've grown into that teen phase. Um, so yeah, there, I'm, at some point I'll write some stuff. I do I usually do cameos in my in my indie films, but I didn't want to do a cameo in this one. Like a, I just didn't feel it was. I just wanted to be a director. Okay. What about Stan, you, huh? Stanley did cameos and all of his stuff. Yeah, true. Yeah. No, I, I just like storytelling. Like Jeffrey was saying, man, I, I got bullied for like three, three, four years during middle school. So it was always like a nice escape, you know, creating a new, like a, like a reality that didn't even exist, you know, and, and, and one that I was stronger and, you know, fearless. Um, I don't know. It was just always a nice escape for me. And, um, regionally there was not, there was a lot of work like commercial, like commercial work, print, print work. Um, and I was mostly in the building trades, like roofing and construction. So, um, we never really had a big opportunity to do a lot of acting, but, um, I, I got on set as an extra, um, during for Madden NFL commercial and I got bumped to a principal. And next thing you know, I'm sitting next to Drew Brees on the year we win the uh, Super Bowl. So, um, that was 2010, right? Yeah, very good, very good. Um, yeah, but when the checks started rolling in, I I said, "Wow, this could this could <laughs> be my life. Like I could make a living." So I I, I <laughs> spread my wings and just jumped, man. And thankfully, I have a really strong team around me, and and that's what I kind of you know along this journey, you just kind of cherry pick the people you want to keep in your circle, and um, right. that's what was special about this movie was when I was on set, it wasn't. It was such a small set um, that you really got to know everyone from catering extras all the way to the producer, director. And, and that's how I got an opportunity to produce the movie as well with Andrew, because we had a small film fund, um, which led me into these conversations, um, getting to know Jeffrey a lot more and um, Andrew. And, and I don't know, it's just a really I love I love how collaborative we were during the whole process of the film. Um, and I got to see it from an actor's perspective and the producing side. Yeah. So it's, it was nice. It's very nice to, to have those two juxtaposing on each other. So um, I love storytelling, man. And, and I, I, if, if anyone out there, you know, feels like they need to escape, they should really look into like the art, the art of filmmaking and writing and acting. Cause I think, I think there's something there, you know, and, and you don't yeah. have to ha- have, any high-priced equipment to do it? Well, no. unless you have an iPhone 11 or 12, then yeah, that's a high-dollar camera there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you could do everything on your cell phone. Yeah, uh, I mean, you could do everything low end. I mean, look at Blair Witch. Yeah, uh, prime example, um, and that took off. So it, it's it, uh, just the, the right the accessibility we have to. Like equipment, you know, back in the day when I was, you know, when I first got into it, you'd have to have like, you know, all these lighting and you'd have to have multiple people in your crew here. You can just get a, a steady cam, a little mini Osmo steady cam, slap a phone on it and and yeah. go make a movie. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, it's um, mm-hmm. the opportunities now and the, the uh, you know, access to equipment it, like is it's never been better and easier for people. So. You know, whenever, you know, I talk to any any artist because they're always like, well, how do I get an agent or how do I get a studio to notice me? I just tell them the same thing. It's like you have to cr- start creating your own content because you're going to find your voice. You're going to learn that you're going to get better. Like when I look back at my first couple of scripts, I'm like, wow, these are bad. Um, but you get better 
as you do more and more. And so if you're a if you're an actor, like, you know, find some director friends that are your age that are interested in directing and some writers and get together and collaborate on stuff. Um, and like Han said, but find people that are that you want to keep in your circle because it's, you know, when you put yourself out there as an artist, it's already rough enough to put your like you out there and say, love me basically is what you're doing. Right. Whether you're directing, writing or anything, <laughs> you're putting yourself out there and saying, love me through my work. Um, so you need to have people around you who are supportive and think like you and, you know, you just find, you know, you just find your like posse and start making mm. stuff on your own. Cause people, if you make good stuff, people will find it, you know, right. people are scouring the internet looking for good yeah. stuff all the time. My wife, my wife said something the other day that stuck. She said, I'm, I'm looking for people who straight, who, who's willing to straighten out my crown when it gets crooked. <laughs> I just thought, I just thought I like that was that. sweet. And I was like, well, I don't wear a crown, but if I did, that's, that's kind of like the idea, right? Um, yeah, it's powerful, man. It's who you celebrate with in the end, because the journey of filmmaking is it's rough. Yeah, it's not easy. It's not like you can just go out there and do it. You know, you know, a big percentage of the films don't even see the screens. You know, so, mm. so like once you finish it, there's there's the, another process where you it's even more intimate because you're you're talking and emailing every single day. So yeah. you got to like the person you're working with. You know, that's your posse. Favorite moment on set? Rats. I'll let Han start with that one so I can think for a second. When Jeffrey said, okay, that's that's the last one on the rat scene. (laughs) 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 I believe that was take four. Take four? Yeah, we we put the rat torture pretty early on for for you. Uh, (laughs) It's... It's hard to say what my favorite moment on set was, to be honest, because so much of it was was just new and exciting and frightening and awesome. Um, I think my moment was the favorite moment was when we wrapped because we did it. You know, it's like it was like all this hard work, you know, for months of you know pre-production, month of shooting, you know, rain machines, rats, crows, actors, stunts fake blood, you know, people crying and screaming and die. There was so much happening. Um, and then when we wrapped, it was like, we did it. I was exhausted. I don't think I've ever been that exhausted in my whole life. But I was, like, euphoric at the same time because it's like, wow, we we, we made a movie. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> um, it must feel amazing. It, it did. It really did. Um, I mean, I had so many wonderful moments on just individual with with all the actors and just dealing also with the crew. There were so many just wonderful like small moments every day, to be honest. But you know, I think probably the 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 most memorable the one is is just when we wrapped. It was like we did it. You know, all of it. You know, there's a picture of all of us. You know, the, some of the actors had gone home already because we'd shot them out. But like the, most of us, like. We're there, like, you know, at a location, like, just all of us there. It was just kind of like, yay, team. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should be very proud, Jeffrey. You've got a very good energy, and, and people just gravitate to it. And, you know, um, man, we, yeah, we, we would have done anything for you. So it's, it's, uh, it's good to have a leader that, that has that kind of energy. Yeah, no, it was, it, was a, it was a wonderful experience, you know, and, yeah, it's 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 weird that you know you shoot it and then it's like a year a year and a half later it's coming out, and it feels like yeah. well it, now it feels if it if it wasn't for COVID maybe it wouldn't feel like it was so long ago, <laughs> but I've been quarantined for so long I just the space and time continuum is just has no meaning to me anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's just you know what I like you know what I like about the stuff that you you write and your 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 stuff is your content's timeless. I think I think no matter what what you know how far we fast forward into the future this this problem exists it yeah. will continue to exist um especially if you know we're so dependent on technology you know um because right. you know it, what would you say it might 89 you were in louisiana man i remember when i when in 89 if something happened first thing you do was 911 yeah like you don't stand there and watch it <laughs> like it's crazy yeah. You know, and yeah. you had to, yeah, you had to run to a payphone and dial nine one one. A payphone, yeah, <laughs> with the metal coil. You know what I'm talking it, about. Yeah, uh, unless oh, yeah. unless all this happened close to a payphone, 
Then you just hop in, call 911. Then afterwards, pull out your gun and fire into the crowd and contribute to it. So. Wait, you, say, you say hop into the pay- – are you in a payphone booth? One of those like, small oh, – yeah. Oh, man. I was like, just thinking like, like what we see in Captain Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> I'm talking about like one of the freestanding – Like the like little half – Yeah, the half booth. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It, it, it hopes that while you're while you're on the phone, someone doesn't get thrown into the side of yeah. one of those as, as right. you're calling. Right. Well, back then there were a lot more of them. Yeah. My DJ's daughter, oh, the DJ rat just came in. The rodent. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I got this crazy wig. I should have worn. <laughs> it feels dirty. It's just feel dirty. <laughs> uh, but no, like I was saying, Jeffrey. I mean, you know, your stuff. Your stuff is awesome. I I always talk about like you know how cool would it be just to get into your mind and see what the visual of that looks like in colors. You know, because for being such a nice guy, he writes some really crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're awesome. I'm a fan. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I work. I think I just probably work out a lot of my shit when I write, and then also because I grew up on it and grew up reading Fangoria magazine and you know, seeing Gorezone and seeing how they did the special effects and stuff. Um, it's more of fun for me. It's like playing more than it is um, going. Like, because I know a lot of writer friends of mine that if they write something serious, they go into it like a really dark place and. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just they're almost like method writers. Mm-hmm. So they're like they get to go through a really dark period in their lives. And for me, it's like it's I try to find a universal theme that's going to connect with people, you know, around the world, because at the end of the day, we're all humans and we all have the same wants and the same needs and the same fears. But then I'm also trying to have fun with it and be like, well, how can I scare somebody or get under their skin with this scene? So it's almost like a game kind of fun for me. See, you're su- you're such a nice guy that you just want everyone to kill each other. Yeah, <laughs> but then I berate them when they do. <laughs> I, then I want to punish them when they kill each other. It's the Kentucky way. Yeah, Freud would have a field day with me. <laughs> it's what, oh, it's, what ha- it's what happens up in the hills. It's like the Hatfields and McCoys in my head all the time. <laughs> Eastern Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky specifically. Yes. <laughs> Eastern. Eastern Kentucky, where you hear. Taking me home, brother. Absolutely. My, it's like, I'm, I'm in Boston. <laughs> my my uh, my family picks on me uh, when I had um, Sirius Radio, XM Radio, Sirius XM. Uh, one of the channels that I had in my preset was the Bluegrass Channel. I'm like, you can't, you, born in Kentucky, you can't take it out. Three things you can't take out of a Kentucky Kentucky native, Kentucky born. Horse racing, bluegrass, and bourbon. Yeah. yeah we had horses. Um, yeah, I used to, when I was young, I used to ride horses. Uh, no saddle. It would always hurt me. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be like, this hurts, mom. She'd be like, well, we'll get the saddle fixed one of these days. <laughs> tough it up. Yeah, tough it up. <laughs> tough. There's, a, there's only one day someone's going to want to kick you in the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what it was. She was preparing me for that moment when that guy kicked me in the nuts. See, it all, yeah. all comes That's why you felt it like 10 minutes later. Yeah, it's because like, yeah. yeah. of the horseback riding. <laughs> he was riding a horse. That's, That's great. amazing. I never thought about that. That's there you go. Thank you, Mama. Another lesson. <laughs> yeah. So you were just you were just building up the calluses. Yes. <laughs> ouch. ouch. Yeah. Double ouch. <laughs> so, Derek, you got any other questions? Because I can't believe we we've, we've been recording for a little over an hour. Oh well. It's, it's not going to come off that way uh, as, as our listeners are currently listening to us. They're going to go, no, it's not an hour. Y'all are like 50-something minutes. <laughs> Tabasco sales go up. Editing. Yeah. Sales go up. Horseback lessons go up. <laughs> Nut kicking goes up. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need to bring up. The- uh, I think I'm all set. This week's show, Nut Kicking with Han Soto and Jeffrey Riddick. 
<laughs> Don't look back. <laughs> so, um, get kicked in the nuts. There's only one way you're looking. That's down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Any final thoughts from anyone? I mean, you know, again, I um, you know appreciate you guys having us on the show. Um, oh, it's always it was our pleasure. Yeah, it's always fun to talk about you know anything <laughs> it's just fun to it's just fun to talk to people but um about movies or you know especially talking to some fellow geeks is always nice um you know and um yeah i just hope everybody out there listening just you know stays safe and as stress free as free as possible i know it's a crazy time for everybody um yeah, yeah so just stay safe and you know hopefully you enjoy enjoy some some version of halloween i'm probably just going to be a dork and watch horror movies um and post Costumes of Halloween past. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and, absolutely. And Hans looking at us like, I just got comfortable, and we're going to end this. No, I know, man. You, you know, you know, you're on a good. You know, you're in good company when you're like, man, this thing could really go for three hours. <laughs> if, yeah, if we let it. <laughs> yeah, but I've got to be Ted next uh, tomorrow and uh, build my daughter a DJ set. So. <laughs> There's that. There is that. There's that. It's got to be light enough for it to carry too. Okay, so use. Uh, well, I found quarter, this. Use quarter this quarter inch speaker. round steel instead of the, the three quarter inch aluminum. It's a, it's a cardboard speaker. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, found it at a thrift store, so I'm excited to incorporate that awesome. into her costume. Look at that. Look who's calling. Oh, that's our producer. <laughs> he, he, he's he's FaceTiming. Oh. Hey guys, we're on the call with Jeffrey right now, and we be geeks. Yes, yes. Can I, I will call you guys right back. Say hi to Jeffrey. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome you see man that's that's what i'm talking about it's don't look back my time and that's 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 the kind of stuff we're talking about right there man don't look back don't look back don't look back don't look back so um, oh yeah, and check out the movie too yeah <laughs> What is the website? Don't look back movie.com. Um, yeah. Don't look back movie.com. Um, distributed. It's our first movie through Kamikaze Dogfight, which is uh, mine and Andrew's label. Oh, Film very cool. Yeah. So, very cool. Um, Where else can people find you two online? Um, I'm on Twitter at Jeffrey A. Reddick. Um, I'm on Instagram at the same place. I don't, I'm on Twitter more because I, you know, I don't have the, um, the body to be taking my shirt off all the time is which is what you pretty much have to do on Instagram to get followers. Um, so, oh, so okay. Good Twitter's to know. the best way, but, um, or Instagram, but yeah, those are the best ways to kind of follow Find me and hit me up. I think I'm at, uh, at Han Soto for everything. Okay. Um, and that's easy. If, if they want to Venmo me, it's at dash. So Han dash Soto. Okay. Oh yeah, if they want to send me money, I have an OnlyFans page. Oh wait, I'm not supposed to that. Sorry, you got to take your shirt off. Sorry, that's there, another, sorry, that's not me. That's another Jeffrey Raddick. Don't look. Go <laughs> check out Jeffrey Raddick's OnlyFans at. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Um, well, well th- yeah. Thanks for having us, guys. It's uh, oh, thank it's you. Been a lot. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you guys for coming on. And on that note, there's only one thing we have to ask. Want to know more? So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production. Hey everyone, this is Carrie the Metal Geek, and I would like to invite you to hang out with myself and my fellow Metal Geeks as we have all kinds of discussions about heavy metal, films and TV shows, video games, theme parks, comic books, and whatever else is tickling our geeks. Please visit our website at MetalGeeksPodcast.com and follow us on all the social medias including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Metal Geeks. 
We are also proud members of ESO Network, so you can check everything out at esonetwork.com. Keep it metal, keep it geeky, stay safe, and see you on the next episode. You know how Peter Parker doesn't always know how to tell Mary Jane how he really feels? Or how Tony Stark seems to have everything but not the deep emotional connection his complex soul craves? Well, you don't have to be a superhero or a wealthy industrialist to experience the kind of rich relationships and life we all long for. I'm Mark Wen, and I'm a men's wisdom coach. After people work with me, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com, M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T, coaching.com. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. We be geeks, your voice of the geek revolution.